your deck do? Next on Eternal Dirtles. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Dude, what is what do people's decks even do? What Look do they do? Brando being skeptical about what your deck Dude, does. Brand, Brando is just not interested if your deck no. doesn't have a clear, articulated idea of what it does. He's what he's does not buying it, man. Do? If Brando's not buying it, I'm not playing it. Yep. Yeah, so this episode is going to be about, uh, you know, kind of, kind of get, you know, what's the through line for your deck? What is, what is, you know, what is, when you're brewing... What does your deck actually do? You know, uh, I think Phil pre-show you said it best. Uh, everyone knows what a combo deck's doing, right? Everyone, for the most part, knows what a Delver deck is doing. Uh, but what you know, these mid-range pile decks, you know, it, it kind of gets a little foggy about what's going on there. Um, Zach, you play a cast. What does a cast? What, do what does your deck do? I make a bunch of artifacts that make a bunch of giant robots, and I attack with those giant robots, hopefully stopping you from doing your plan along the way yeah i this is you know this is more of an esoteric episode but i think uh I, i've been seeing a lot of a, a lot of new action with uh lord of the rings cards excellent yeah. uh the there's a lot of brewing happening we were talking last week with santa stouthearted and soran's ransom i'm seeing that pick up a lot in mm -hmm. decks out decks outside of just shadow i'm seeing uh sam show up in like these bouncy mid-range Esper sort of piles, something that we talked about last week, uh, showing up in DNT, Soren's Ransom showing up in uh, those sorts of fair decks with like Snapcaster Mage because the ring can tempt the Snapcaster Mage and then you can pick up with Caracas and then replay the Soren's Ransom. It's kind of the, an, uh, a revamping of Kologon's Command Snapcaster. It's like a fun little place to be. And I'm seeing all these decks and I think they're super sweet. I think they're super sweet. But then I also see a lot of lists where it's just a mishmash of good cards. And it makes me think, what does your deck even do? Is it just cast good cards and hope that they're good? That's that's reasonable. If that's yeah. the plan, I'm just playing a bunch of good cards and I'm just going to cast good cards and I'm going to hope that the good cards are good and that they're going to do good stuff for me and then I'm going to have a good record after I play in the good event with my good cards. Like, If that's the way you want to be, totally fine. Totally get it. But if you're trying to like streamline or optimize or a list or build off of a brew that you're experimenting with or trying to figure out what are the cards that you can't cut or what are the areas that your deck is going to be soft and you're analyzing all that and you're playtesting, I think it's important or maybe not not important, but it's inval it's valuable to be able to know what your deck does. Yeah. What does your deck do? Like, give me the log line. What's your deck do? I play eight cast. I want to jam a chalice on turn one and hope it gives me a free win. And if it doesn't, I'm going to cast a whole bunch of artifacts to make giant constructs with the Urza Saga and beat you down. But okay, sweet. That seems like a sweet plan that you can do in the dark against every single deck, regardless of what they're, they may or may not be on, and then adjust accordingly after the fact. But if you sit down in the blind against an opponent and you don't know what your deck does... How are you supposed to play it? How are you supposed to play it if you don't know what your deck does? Yeah. I'm trying to do what my deck does. Combo is really easy because combos are just established of like the entire deck built around the combo. 
I'm playing Storm. My goal is to amass enough raw resources that I can Storm count to 10 and kill you with Tendrils of Agony. Okay, well then that means that most of my plan should be about trying to accumulate enough resources fast enough, which means that I'm going to do all the things that we know that Storm does. It's not really in reinventing the wheel in that sense, but like at least you know what the deck is trying to do every game. You sit down and you're trying to do it. I play Cephalid Breakfast. I need to find a Cephalid Illusionist, pair it with Nobads on Core or Shuko. I'm going to mill my library and I'm going to uh, rebuy uh, Thassa's Oracle, but I know that first my my goal every game is to get a Cephalid Illusionist and pair it with a combo piece. Okay, there's your game plan. Show and tell. I want to cast show and tell like a like a like a big oaf and put a big oaf into play, and then hopefully yeah. the big oaf wins me the oaf game. Like sweet. So let's talk about the decks that that is not as straightforward of what yeah. your deck does. Well, I think we've seen some of those decks start to pop up with the Lord of the Rings cards uh, starting to be tested a little bit more. Yeah, I think that if so, uh, a list that was sent to me that uh, sort of paralleled what we talked about last week of the ring temps you starting to see play a little bit more between Sam the Stout Hearted and Sauron's Ransom and maybe putting them in the same deck. And then that puts you in Esper Colors, which gives you Caracas, which helps you pick up the legendary creature that you make off of the ring. That sort of little shell is nice, but there isn't necessarily something going on that you can log line with that shell, right? I'm playing ring temps you cards to maximize the value of Caracas. Yeah. Okay, sweet. But like, how, how, how? What is it What is it that you want to do? Do you just want to pick up something with Caracas? It doesn't seem like that's the way that you optimize winning the game. So I would think- But what do you want to pick up with Caracas, right? That's the, that's the next question. Like, that, you know, yeah, I, be specific, like, you know? If somebody, it, so it, it helps articulate these this sort of log line to know, okay, if if I'm cantripping in a certain way, uh, my my plan is I would like to pick up my Snapcaster to rebuy my Sauron's Ransom to re-legendary my Snapcaster to do it again with the next Sauron's Ransom. Yeah. I want to bury you under so much card advantage between the combination of Sauron's Ransom and Snapcaster Mage that you cannot recover i just grind you into the like i have so many resources that the rest of the game doesn't matter okay i i, I like this plan but now yeah. now we can we can lean towards okay i need to find i need to pair snapcaster with a soran's ransom to get this sort of engine going and then fill out the rest of the deck to support that shell resolving yeah i think that it's wild that we didn't than... look at uh soran's ransom initially and go this is this is built for snapcaster mage like you're gonna make it legendary and then you're gonna recast Snapcaster Mage. It's putting cards in the graveyard, you know, like that that card is is so much deeper, I think, than than we really gave it credit for. And we gave it a lot of credit, honestly. We gave it a lot, yeah. I I, I think it's also because that is also it, it's a slow combination. Yeah, like, it's five mana, you, right? You get, ca casting a three mana. Well, you have to you would first want to put a snapcaster into play. So you're spending a, you know, seemingly three mana. To do something that way your snapcaster is not just a two one flash and then you're after that you're then going to play a three mana spell that to play your snapcaster but then you're going to have to pick up the snapcaster by finding the caracas how many caracas are you playing so it's a lot of hoops to jump through to not actually do anything other than go up raw cards but yeah. then the the question is okay well what are those raw what cards? Are those cards yeah what are those cards and i think that's where i was sort of on this idea of like what does your deck do because it's like i you know, if you want to grind the, your, the opponent down, well, what does that mean? Not every card is going to trade, like, not every card grinds the same way. You know what I mean? Like, 
Thoughtseize grinds differently than Source to Plowshares. A counter spell grinds differently than a removal spell. So like, how are we actually pairing this together in a way that it is going to be the thing that you want to do every game? And part of your logline can make assumptions, right? Like I play a lot of miracles, right? Every time I sit down at the table playing miracles, I'm making the choice, assuming that my white cards have text. If Terminus does not have text, I'm in for a rough game one, right? That's yeah. that is it is an assumption I'm making about a meta that I'm walking into that my cards will have text. Now, if I was going in blind and I want to be able to have the log line of, you know, I'm going to rebuy my Snapcaster and get a bunch of Snapcaster value, then that would imply that there's a lot of action going on in my graveyard. So can I do something else? Am I instead of moving in and playing? Esper, am I splashing a Caracas and I'm moving into an Uro package because I can mill the Uro and then further grind that way? It, it is all to say that if I'm going to log this deck, this Esper deck or this blue-black splash deck, am I going, I'm trying to Snapcaster Sauron's Ransom to load my graveyard to escape Uro without having to play it on the front half first. That's a different plan and, a, yeah. and, a, and also an interesting plan than I want to play Sam the Stouthearted alongside Wasteland and the ring tempts you and load up the ring all the way to the max and chunk you with these dorky beaters while I sort of play this a little bit bigger than Delver tempo plan. Yeah. Okay. That, I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm saying it's good for you to know going in how to navigate your deck so you know how to utilize your tools. If you're saying to yourself, I want to be a ring tempts you mid-range mana denial deck by rebuying my wastelands with Sam the Stouthearted, and then that, that might move you away from Snapcaster. It might move you towards playing something like uh, if you're if you're in ring tempts you and you want to play uh, mana denial, you're like, I don't know, fucking avalanche riders, man. I'm going to fucking avalanche yeah. riders you and ring tempts you and pick <laughs> it back up and then avalanche. I don't fucking know. You know what I'm saying? But like, it, it at least gives you more of a dedicated plan as opposed to having like these alternating paths where you then pair different parts of your deck with different things with the other parts that work with the other half. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's cantrips usually are used to like solve these problems, but let's say you have you're you're playing Sam the Stouthearted and Wasteland, right? Those things work together, right? I want to waste you and then yeah. I want to Sam the Stouthearted and pick up my Wasteland and Wasteland you again. But if I'm going, okay, I want a Sauron's Ransom with Snapcaster. Well, Snapcaster and Wasteland isn't necessarily conducive to the same plan as what yeah. Sam and Wasteland is, which is Wasteland is trying to deny resources, and Sauron's Ransom Snapcaster is trying to like go up re resources. Like by, by that I mean like you playing a Snapcaster or Sauron's Ransom isn't necessarily denying your opponent resources unless you're pairing it with things like Thoughtseize. But Sam the Stouthearted with Wasteland is playing trying to deny your opponent resources. So. The I'm am I trying to go up on cards? Am I trying to play a deck that's in high resource game states, or am I trying to play a deck that takes the game into low resource game states? Well, and that will think... that will navigate you against different like if I sit down across from you, you're playing fucking ACAST. All you want is to play in a high resource scenario. Yeah. The only thing you're interested in is playing in high resources. And that will change if your deck is also playing in high resources that's going to change how you navigate then if you're playing in low resources i feel like well, I'm i think monologuing. i think phil in these in these uh in these mid-range builds one of the biggest things you can do is ask yourself these questions ask you know like 
not just what am I trying to do? Obviously, that you know, that's the, the whole topic of conversations. What am I trying to do? But uh, asking yourself, you know, uh, how do I answer? How do I answer the questions that are being put on me? Because generally, if you're a mid range deck, you're you're leveling yourself towards that control end. You know, if you're if you're a pile type of deck, you you have you're, you're trying to have all the answers, right? And so if you're if you're trying to have all the answers, the question really comes down to uh, what are the best cards to fill those slots? Well, that also like let's say you're saying if if you're playing a mid range pile and you're like okay I'm going to be bigger than Delver because I am going to establish some amount of board presence in the early game, uh, a threat that's going to close uh, the game, but it is not an infinite resource, like the way that uh, you know just an Uro forever would go. Like Uro Caracas is sort of a forever deal, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I I never die when I do that. Maybe I'm decked. Uh, as opposed to like any, anything in this, like this mid-range space that we're talking about. Like eventually you run out of Sauron's Ransom if you're trying to Sauron's Ransom plus Snapcaster, right? Like let's say you were to go all the way through it. You're you're not an infinite deck, right? You, you don't go infinite. You got to close somehow. Yeah, you're eventually not the game has to end, yeah. You're not, you're not Force of Will playing Thwart with Mystic Sanctuary, theoretically making it so that you can never deck. And that's your win condition, and you just want to not die. Your, your win condition is not dying. That's different. And, like, how you navigate the game of, like, I'm always the control role versus how when am I the beatdown, that also changes your other card, your other your other choices. Let's say you are playing Grixis Delver, right? And you've got Bowmasters in your list now, and you want to use, you want to play tools to optimize Bowmaster. That might move you away from the inherent Delver logline, which is establish a cheap threat plus mana denial and cheap counter magic to keep you off balance and close the game before you can use all of your resources, right? Like Delver's game plan ideally is you win the game and they still have five cards in hand, right? They yeah. didn't have time to deploy all of their resources. That's what okay, Delver's done forever. A tempo deck, right? What Delver's done forever. And then yeah. if we start moving into a space where we're like, well, this, these cards would work with Bowmasters. I want to play cards that, you know, the, the, like I want to play you know some we both draw cards and we both and i get to ping you with orcish bowmasters but now it, it just gets sloppy you know what i'm saying yeah. I, I feel like i'm not articulating it all that well but if it, it it your log line helps you from keeping your log line helps you from getting sloppy from your deck choices your card choices from becoming sloppy and steering you away from what your deck is trying to do what is the macro thing your deck wants to do and how are you executing that with your card choices every game? Now you can adjust for metagames, you can adjust for certain specific uh, opposing archetypes, right? Like maybe you're slanted and you're playing a fork bolt because you want to be able to beat up decks that play a bunch of cheap creatures, whatever. But as a whole, when you sit down, you know what your deck does. So it's kind of like, I'm playing Delver. If you play a three drop, it's kind of like, well, if I'm playing a three drop, it's assuming that we're going to get to a stage where three drops matter significantly. And I want the game to be over or in a position where they can never actually stabilize with a three drop and play before it ends. And yeah. so why am I playing a three drop that doesn't help me close the game faster? Where like if you play a three drop and it's like sulfuric vortex, like all right yeah that's trying to close that the door begins really to fast. end the game you know yes. you know what i mean it's like if we get to that stage in the game it should be close enough that sulfuric vortex ends the game as opposed to like when I, i've been seeing delver decks like play narset three mana narset and i can't fathom why it's there like maybe it's a hate piece to like a, against uh you know opposing the one rings or whatever but it does nothing with what the deck wants to do 
like the the, the game plan. Every yeah, time I don't look down. to draw non-creature spells like off of my three drop when I'm playing when I'm playing Delver. I'm looking to f figure out my what my threat is that I want to end the game with. Uh, hopefully, by the time I've gotten to three mana as a Delver deck, I have you you are on such a back foot that all I'm looking to do is find my final threat. You know. Uh, so, and I don't think Narset uh, Narset does does that in any in any meaningful way. So I think this is where uh, th that idea, right? Like that that that's a good way to to put the Delver logline, right? Like the goal is to keep the opponent on the back foot the entirety of the game until they die, right? Yes. They never feel like they have they they have proper footing in the game. Like your and ideal think... your ideal end game is winning with no cards in your hand and your opponent is is sitting there with like one tapped land and five five or six cards in their hand like that's and your I, ideal your ideal scenario is like they have they have exhausted every option they could and you've exhausted every option you you could and you got there and i think that is a a, a way that like had we been discussing this when expressive iteration was banned and we were talking about other sources of card advantage yeah. The one thing that is different about what Expressive did versus something that like Predict does yeah, or exactly. any of the other you're card getting, advantage spells right that, that people were trying to tell is the card advantage spells do just that. They give you some amount of card advantage, but in exchange for that card advantage, you're offering your opponent time, right? Because yeah. you're spending time to cast those spells to go up cards, and that gives your opponent time, which is the resource that you are trying to leverage being better at using anyway. Yeah. The one thing it's that actually why I was did. kind of uh, kind of shocked to see that the first deck to do well with Sauron's Ransom was was a tempo deck was was Death Shadow. Well, the the part of what Sauron's Ransom does for Death Shadow is a there's the 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 clause of giving a creature skulk right yeah so th that can be relevant at Just the door for sure against like if if you have a big Death Shadow right and your opponent's at six and they play a large merc tide to contend with your death shadow and then you can give it skulk even though it's a fat creature it can still then go under like yeah if you have a uh, if you are like okay my opponent is going to play an uro that's a six six i have a death shadow that i can make it a five five tempt it get in for five and then maybe that's what you need to close the door right? or tempt like, it attack for five and then like you know shock fetch yourself and hit for eight but the other value of it is Soren's Ransom dumping to the graveyard is a way to turbo a Merktide in a way that Grixis Delver has uh, Dragon Rage Channeler to yes. like turbo stuff to the yard. Uh, you can play a Soren's Ransom. If and they that put works two, in Death Shadow they, as well. Yeah. At, at worst, they're going to give you two and two, right? Yeah. Maybe they give you one and three if there's a really critical card. If you're like, well, I just need to load up the graveyard, Soren's Ransom plus three cards in the yard or that's, two cards in the yard. That's free. You just cast Soren's Ransom for free in that scenario because you netted three mana. It's a way to turbo. It's doing functionally similar things to what Death, Dragon Rage Channel is doing in Grixis Delver yeah. with regards to Merktide. But one thing that Expressive Iteration did that the other card advantage spells that tried to replace it didn't do is it didn't let up the pressure. So if I played an Expressive Iteration, which found me a land plus a threat, I maintained that I played another threat. It kept you on the back foot. You still yeah. had to answer. I still controlled the narrative. If I played a predict if i played a cantrip plus a predict and the board is clear then they you can play something and now that you have the narrative because now i have to act right yeah. and i think just oh, yeah wait, just uh, by the nature of that card making you have to play aggressive spells you know you can't 
you can't like put a daze into exile like that's not where you want to be uh or a force I... will to exile that's not where you want to be you have to choose aggressive spells so you generally uh shuffle those cards to the bottom of the deck and you're playing your lightning bolt you're grabbing your land or you're getting your uh dragon trade channeler you're you're on a more aggressive stance I think yeah, it's why, it, 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 in in my view, back back then, expressive iteration felt like it was more powerful in Delver than it was in Four Color. Not just because Delver was cheaper, and therefore you could deploy more things off of a turn two or turn three expressive in ways that you couldn't necessarily in control, but because the selection made it so that you could maintain pressure. You are like, I can always find the thing to maintain the narrative of the game where a raw card thing that's just giving you raw pieces, like raw blank pieces of cardboard, you don't necessarily know what they are. Something like a predict or something like an Archmage's Charm or whatever, where you're like, this is going to replace itself with more cards. But what those cards are, you don't necessarily know. The selection of expressive iteration, allowing you to maintain control of the narrative, a la doing what your deck is trying to continue doing, is way more valuable uh, like in play than it seems like on the surface where we were just like what are card advantage spells that you can replace it with it wasn't just card advantage spells it, or it wasn't just a card advantage spell it was a, a card that let you maintain the narrative or the log line of what your deck is trying to do whenever you cast it so it it, it, it still fit what the deck wanted to be right where people play predict in a drc shell and they go well yeah this is great when i'm trying to go at volume but then it's giving my opponent time to actually establish themselves i think that's important when you're thinking about how do the cards play in what my deck wants to do i'm, I'm trying to find a more a, a better way to articulate it but as i've been brewing with the lord of the rings cards the more and more i find that as i'm trying out different pieces with different cards i i've been trying sam the stout harder with the wasteland card is very good sam the stout-hearted is just a very good card at its baseline on turn two you can pick up a fetch at instant speed on your in your opponent's end step or on your turn three you can wasteland pick up the wasteland and then they, they have to fear a wasteland for the next turn but what you, what that means is oh should i be playing sam the stout-hearted also in a day's deck because I'm trying to be a mana denial deck well what does that look like then should i also be am i just trying to be a, a slightly bigger version of Delver by playing the strategy that's trying to manage play in mana denial? Or should I be playing Sam the Stouthearted with Caracas in sort of like a, a Mox Diamondy Life from the Lone-ish looking deck where I'm still playing in this space of like, I'm trying to sacrifice stuff? Or should I be playing it in uh, a, a harder Lance build that leans on uh, Urza Saga because Urza Saga sacks itself and then I can use Sam the Stouthearted to pick it up and then also pick up Wasteland or pick up Fetchland. So now my Sam the Stouthearted is sort of doing a, a, a similar function of what Life from the Loam does, where it's a yeah. it's a, a spell that helps me. And now I have eight Life from the Loam effects, if you will, in my lands deck where I'm trying to deny my opponent resources and then incidentally grind them out with having these uncounterable pieces in my... You, it can go a billion different ways, right? Yeah. We can brew a billion different ways, but like that, the difference of I'm playing Sam the Stouthearted to function like a life from the loam is very different than I'm trying to play a Sam the Stouthearted because I want to, you know, make my Baleful Strix a ring bearer so I can pick it up and then continue to draw cards. Those are very different plans. The card does, like when you cast Sam the Stouthearted, it can, it's going to do the same thing, but how you're playing with that effect is very different. And what your, what your log line is, what am I trying to do? 
I want to grind into the late game with a bunch of cards that replace themselves so that my opponent trading one for one is an extremely favorable trade for me. So I'm going to play a bunch of two for ones and I'm going to play cards that then leverage those two for ones. So I want to play Snapcaster, which is a two for one and Sauron's Ransom, which is a, 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 at least a two for one. And then I'm going to ring temp my Snapcaster and pick it up with Caracas, which is going to give me another two for one. I'm going to Snapcaster two for one. I'm going to four for one. And then I'm going to have all these X for ones. And then you're going to have no cards. I'm going to have seven cards and then you're going to concede. Yeah, that's well, different than... I, think, I want to play Ghost Quarter and Wasteland, and I want to make it so that you can never actually have mana to, to actually cast your spells. You may cast a two-drop, but that's whatever. I'll deal with it. You're never casting a three-drop or higher. I'm going to deny your resources, and you're going to be out of the game. That's so, Those are so much different, yeah. and the tool is the same. Well, I think when you're coming up with that as your as your log line, also, you have to ask the, for, the first question you really should be asking is, is, is that the meta that you want to be fighting? You know? Uh, are we in a meta right now where... Uh, going going uh you know two for one against your opponent is is a valuable way to win games uh you know are we able to you know in that scenario delver is the most popular deck right you want to be going going okay i can out card a delver deck and survive it right uh and if that's the case then this sort of deck is is where you want to be i think well that that's what i mean by when you say this sort of deck that that's that's what I'm talking. I like. What does that mean? Yeah. Right. Like, is it if 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 you are also playing a, a mana denial strategy against another mana denial strategy, but you're the bigger deck, you aren't trying to mana deny anymore. No, no. Because they will do it better I than you, and then you yeah. will die. But if your mm. game plan going in was, well, my plan was to mana deny them. You know, what does my deck do? My deck denies their mana. Well, if they don't need mana to operate. Then are you just a, are you just a dog now? Like what what that's what does your deck do? I, I and this is where I want to go into part B of the conversation. Okay. Eternal Dirtles is proud to be sponsored by Moxfield. Moxfield is the best Magic the Gathering deck building website on the internet. You can create, share, and find decks from Commander to Legacy and even fan supported formats like Premodern and Old School. You can see all of our decks on our Moxfield. Follow the links below to stay tuned. What does my deck do? And in the event that that fails, what does my deck do? What's my backup plan, as it were? This is a this is a, a way that uh, another way. If you wanted to link to the ABC deck building idea, yeah. your plan A is I want to mana deny them. What does your deck do? My deck plays Sam the Stouthearted with Wasteland to deny them mana by picking up my Wasteland and their behavior having to change, knowing that they may not be able to execute their early game plan because they need to play around Wasteland to get to their mid and late game plan. Okay, well, if I'm playing against Delver and they can operate on one land and me denying them one land or maybe cutting them off a of color isn't, you know, relevant enough because they can establish an early, they can establish most of the threats of a volcanic island and they're playing all the volcanic islands. What does my deck do after that? Okay, my deck is trying to demand and deny them. In the event that that's not, that doesn't work, now what does my deck do? And if that is my deck plays Snapcaster and Sauron's Ransom to grind and play the control role, that's also fine. And now we're piecing together the, so... Do you, do you see where I'm going going here? It's 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 less so about your Sam the Stouthearted Snapcaster Wasteland Sauron's Ransom deck sucks or is 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 misaligned than it is knowing what the logline of the of what the deck is trying to do and then if it fails what's it trying to do? So if I open Snapcaster Sauron's Ransom in my opener, I'm like, mm, this isn't really what my deck's trying to do in the dark." My deck is trying to Sam the Stouthearted Sam the Stouthearted Wasteland in the dark. Yeah. And if I open a hand that is Snapcaster Sauron's Ransom, and I don't want to go to six, and I'm in the blind, then I'm going, okay, 
this is this is what my deck does. This and if I, I do. draw, yeah. if, if if I draw a wasteland, I'm not necessarily the wasteland Sam the Stouthearted deck like I would have been had that been my opener because I'm I'm playing a deck that's trying to piece together things. But now, what happens if you play if you open a hand and it's Snapcaster Wasteland in the dark? What are you doing? Well, the, if if you wasteland them, you move yourself away from a Snapcaster, right? And that plan being good. But if you don't wasteland. Snap that wasteland can cast the snapcaster to get you the snapcaster Soren's ransom game plan. Yeah. In that regard, in my mind, that deck that's playing Santa Stouthearted Wasteland Snapcaster Mage and Soren's ransom, you are a snapcaster Soren's ransom deck first because there will be more combinations of cards that get you to that game plan than there do than there is to get you to the mana denial Sam the Stouthearted game plan. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So if, if, if I were if I showed you that deck and you went, Phil, what does this deck do? I say, well, it wants to be it wants to snapcaster Soren's ransom into the late game and grind my opponent out by X for wanting them into oblivion. And then if that doesn't work, I do have the option to mana to die my opponent through Sam the Stouthearted recouping wastelands. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like we sort of just retrofitted an ABC deck building episode. <laughs> yes, yeah, but, sort of, yeah. But at, at, at baseline, figuring out what your deck wants to do. If you're like, how do I, I have the deck first, now how do I actually apply a theory to it to know how to navigate a game? It goes, if I have a Snapcaster Wasteland in my hand and I'm playing this deck, I'm not necessarily firing the Wasteland off immediately because I know that my my game plan in the dark every game is going to be, I'm Snapcaster Soren's Ransom. And until something shows me different, I'm not moving into yeah. the Sam's. Now, if I wanted to play, you know, when mana threats, and dazes or whatever and move into like closer to a, a, a mana denial shell or I want to play, you know, a land style package where I can play like, you know, I want to play green, white with Sam the Stouthearted and Wastelands and I'm going to crop rotation for the Caracas, but then I'm going to use it to cast my Sauron, my um, Sam the Stouthearted to pick up the land that I just sacked with the crop rotation. And I'm going to move into that sort of build where then I'll be able to recoup my Wastelands and actually deny you. You know what I mean? Am I making any points here? Is this? Is yes. This, no. Uh, this makes you, sense. Yeah. Of course. It, it 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 is to it lets you knowing what your deck does, what your deck actually does, a majority of the time, is going to give you clarity when you're looking at opening hands. Let's say you mulligan to six, and you're like, okay, well, I have Sam the Stout. My my four cards are my 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 cards that I have. I have I can keep two lands: Sam, Soren's Ransom, a Wasteland, and a Sam the Stout Hearted plus two lands. It's a pretty good seven. What am I throwing back? In the dark, yeah. What would you throw back in the dark? I mean, I think I think you get rid of the the ransom at that point. If you want to get rid of the ransom, then you're like, okay, my plan is likely going. To, then in that Go in full that Sam. space, well, then the snap <laughs> the snapcaster is kind of naked, isn't it? Yeah, the snapcaster is not really doing much there. So do we get rid of the Snapcaster and and say yeah at least at least I'm gonna get value out of my uh, Sam's and the Soren's ransom is gonna be a later plan. I think that the, the there is argument to <laughs> in in that position if you have either half thinking which half is this this is where I say what does your deck do first yeah by if if you were to dump the Soren's ransom that Snapcaster is now top decking right you need to find another spell to pair with the Snapcaster. <clears throat> Soran's Ransom is a little bit more open. It's going to give you selection to keep the game going long. But if your plan is to go Wasteland, Sam the Stouthearted Wasteland, you may not 
really ever find time in the first five turns to cast your Sauron's Ransom. So it yeah. also will just sit naked in your hand. If you throw back uh, either of the uh, lands, now everything is naked. If you throw back the wastelands, you're not, you're not, you're, you're yeah, again, you're, you're, you're top yeah. But like, th this is where, in my mind, this is a fun fun thing. I want to know what, put in the comments, what would you throw back? Two lands, Santa Stout, Hearted. Let's say it's two whatever lands, caster spells. You're going to have perfect mana. Wasteland, Santa Stout, Hearted, Snapcaster Mage, Soran's Ransom. So those are seven. You're on a multi six. What do you toss back? If you're a Snapcaster, Soran's Ransom deck, I think it's also reasonable to throw back the Santa Stout, Hearted because you want to establish that you're going to hit your land drops. And if you're playing a Sam, depending on the rest of your build, if you're playing a Sam, uh, not a Sam, if you're playing a Snapcaster Soren's Ransom deck, assuming that you're playing tools that pair well with Snapcaster, then you want to at least get to the stage where if you cast a Soren's Ransom, you will be able to flip over cards that will help you play from behind to catch back up. And then the Snapcaster will then help you leverage either get back to parity or put you ahead. That game plan, even though it's slow, at least I know what it's doing. And it's not stranding any of the cards in my hand. I know I, I have use for all three of these lands. I have use for my Snapcaster and my Sauron's Ransom. Th this is th this will work. Whereas the other cards will potentially strand a card unless the game is going to go long and you don't know that in the dark. Anyway, I feel like we've talked enough about this. I hope it was helpful. Yeah. What does your deck do? What, what does your deck do? What does uh... it do? Comment below about what your deck does, right? Like if you have, if you play a specific deck, uh, what's your through line? What's your log line? If you have to write your deck down in one sentence to tell people what your deck does, that's a perfect thing to comment uh, and have us guess uh, what your deck is. Here, here's here's the template that I would use for looking at when you're building a deck or if you're, you know, changing up a deck that you play a lot. This deck wants to blank. And if that doesn't work, it wants to blank. Okay. This deck blank. If that fails, blank. Perfect. Fill in your All template. Right. All right. Well, uh, I think that does it for us this week. Uh, we will catch you guys all next week. We have uh, some special guest episodes coming up uh, next week. So those are very exciting. Uh, and uh, maybe another deck tech. Uh, probably Cephalid Breakfast this week. Uh, Bro. Anyhow. Hmm? Uh, also, I just want to let everybody know uh, I am the ring bearer now. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, everybody.